The King with the Paper Face. The Imperial Physician of Aster Flavia came out of the King's bedroom with a very serious look on his face and a very comic hat in his hand. His Majesty, he began in a very bowed down voice, dabbing his forehead nervously with a small flag of the Astaflavian navy which he had taken from his pocket in mistake for a handkerchief. Yes, Astaflavian measles, and must not leave his room for five weeks. He drew himself up, clapped his comic hat on backwards by mistake, and strode down the corridor, kicking up the mats like anything. Elias, groaned the Prime Minister, we are undone. And the not-so-Prime Ministers, who were waiting in the corridor, echoed, Undone, in very underdone voices, and held themselves together as well as they could in the face of such trying circumstances. Here was the king laid up with Astaflavian measles for five weeks, and the most frightfully grand congress of the seven nations that is held only once in every thousand years was due to be held in Astaflavia that very week. It was enough to make the primest minister quail to be had on toast like that. King what it is it of Astaflavia lay languidly on his royal couch and gazed mournfully at the ceiling, which he couldn't see because it was too dark. Oh dear, my measles, he said, and oh dear, the Congress. I don't know which is worrying me the most. As to Flavian measles are very nasty things to have. Instead of getting little red spots all over you like ordinary measles, you get one big red spot, about the size of a coconut, on top of your head. But that goes after the second day, and you feel quite all right and fearfully hungry, and aren't allowed to have anything except breadcrumbs for five weeks. I'm so sorry, said the Queen, who was at his bedside, and had resolved to stay by him whatever happened. She'd had Astaflavian measles when she was little, and couldn't get them again, you see. It's too bad you should get ill just when this Congress is coming off. Couldn't I go instead? Impossible, groaned the king, reaching out for one of the grapes his aunt had sent him. But the queen had eaten them all. I must be there myself, or the Judd Waller of Mr. Pam Pam will preside and decide all sorts of things I don't want decided, and mess things up no end, said the prime minister at lunch that day, pushing away his plate with the fifth helping of chocolate blancmange only half finished. Something must be done about this. His Majesty simply must preside at the Congress. What can we do? Can't we put the Congress off until the King is well again? asked one of the ministers. Impossible, said the Prime Minister. Many of the monarchs are already on their way. The Emperor of Empirico started yesterday. The Nabob of not so far started the day before. And a message has come from the Judwaller Ravista Pam Pam, the most powerful sovereign of all, next to the King of Astaflavia, of course, saying that he would have been here already, only has had a puncture. It's terrible, he went on. Think of the important questions to be settled on the Congress. There is the question of whether rhubarb is a fruit or a vegetable, said the Minister of Agriculture, passing his plate for more of whichever it was. 
And, uh, and the question of whether people can buy acid drops on Wednesday afternoons, added the Minister of the Interior, with two of them in his mouth. And the question of how many beans make five, and whether you can do it with jumping beans, put in the Minister of Education. The Prime Minister stood up. There is only one way out of this difficulty, he said. We must have another king. Another king? The ministers all gasped and swayed backwards altogether and would have fallen flat on their backs altogether at this monstrous suggestion if they hadn't all caught hold of the tablecloth altogether to steady themselves. Oh, I don't mean what you mean, said the Prime Minister hurriedly, grabbing at his half-finished plate of lemonge as it went sailing away from him on the tablecloth that the ministers had caught hold of. I mean we must make an imitation king, put him in the council chamber and pretend it's his majesty. That's a great idea, said the Minister of Agriculture. And we could dress him in the king's second best robes. Housekeeper will lend us some brooms and sticks and things for his body, and we can pad him out with pillows, said the Minister of the Interior, getting quite excited and swallowing both his acid drops at once. And we could paint a face on a piece of paper to look like him, said the Minister for Education, who was taking lessons in painting and had just bought a brand new paint box, costing goodness knows how many Astaflavian shillings. It's a wow, said the Prime Minister, using the Astaflavian dialect in his excitement. Come on and find the housekeeper. And off they went, leaving the tablecloth half on the floor. They got a mop for the head and tied the crown on with string at the back where it wouldn't show. Then they tied pillows round the handle of the mop and over them put the king's second best robes, the blue and gold ones with the Astaflavian alligators embroidered on the front. They tied an umbrella on one side for an arm and a walking stick the other side, while a rolling pin and a garden rake did very well for legs, even though one was a bit shorter than the other. He won't have to walk, so it doesn't really matter, said the Prime Minister. They then put a pair of the King's riding boots on the dummy, and last of all, a paper face, painted with the Minister of Education's new paint box. And when the dummy King was finished, and propped up on the throne, he looked more like the King than the King did himself. Just then, a page came hurrying into the room. Please, sir, the Jadwaller of What's-His-Name has come, he stammered. We had better receive him in the yellow drawing room, said the Prime Minister, and fill him with spiced tea and nutmeg sandwiches and other eastern delicacies, so he has little time to ask for the king. If he gets in here alone, he'll have that dummy to bits in no time, and then the fat'll be on the fire, the cat'll be out of the bag, and the kingdom of Asta Flavia will be in the soup all at once. So out they went. And from then until the day of the opening of the Grand Congress, they kept the Judwaller of Istapampam busier than he'd ever been in his native land. They fed him till he nearly burst. They talked him off his feet and head over heels and inside out. They made him tell them all about Istapampam and the blue elephants and the pink blue bottles and the pampam trees that grow chutney, already done up in bottles with corks in. And they did it all so cleverly and tactfully that the Jodwalla, far from suspecting that there was anything the matter with the king, enjoyed himself so much that he was quite sorry when it was time to go to the Congress. At length, all the monarchs and potentates and princes and other magnificent and marvellous personages were assembled in the council chamber for the Congress. 
The ministers had a bit of a job with some of them. The emperor of Empirico would keep trying to change places with the king of Chipsy Pipsy so that he could sit next to the prince of Nanimungi, who was his wife's half-cousin's sister's brother, and owed him five shillings. And the nabob of Not So Fast was so fat they had to use two shoehorns to get him into his chair. But, at last, everyone was seated and the prime minister stood up, rang a bell, blew a whistle and waved a flag. Pray silence for his majesty what it is it, king of Astaflavia, he cried, and at once there was silence. Then, from the throne where the dummy king with the paper face sat, there came a voice. Welcome to Astaflavia, it said. Let the congress begin. And none of those beautiful and ornamental monarchs guessed for a moment that the voice was the voice of the royal housekeeper's husband, who was hidden behind the throne. Neither did they guess that the royal hand that waved so majestically was really an umbrella tied up in an old curtain with a spare glove on the end. Well, so far so jolly well good me heart is, said the Prime Minister, who used to be in the Navy at the end of the first day of the Congress. Old King Paperface brought that off a treat. Almost makes you wish he was alive, said the Minister of Education. And that was what caused all the trouble. Just as he said the words wish he was alive, who would flit past but a fairy? Bless my wings, she cried, when she heard the minister's words, here's someone wishing someone were alive. I'll bring them to life, and everyone will be happier. So she waved her wand and worked a spell and flew away merrily, little dreaming what an awful thing she had done. The next day, the Congress was getting ready to start and the nabob of Not-So-Fast was nearly wedged into his chair when the dummy paper-faced king on the throne suddenly stood up and said in a very thin, papery sort of voice, Four shirts, six collars, two pairs of pyjamas. The Congress was horror-struck. Several of the monarchs opened their mouths so wide they couldn't shut them again by themselves. The nabob of Not-So-Fast shot out of his chair with a loud pop and the Judwaller of Istapampam went purple and green in stripes and started to swear most dreadfully in Istapampamian, which happily nobody else understood. One pair of sheets, two vests, went on the papery voice of the dummy king, while the Prime Minister hurriedly crossed his fingers. Oh my goodness, he groaned, old paperface has come to life. Well, I painted his face on the back of a sheet for the laundry book, whispered the Minister of Education, and he keeps on shouting out the items. We must stop him before he gets to the Queen's nightdresses at all costs. And they made a dash at the dummy. But King Paperface was too quick for them, with a funny, jerky, unsteady sort of run, because of his rolling pin leg being shorter than the leg made out of a garden rake. He was out of the council chamber and stumping down the passage, with the ministers and all the Congress in pursuit. The Judwaller of Vista Pampam waving a club that he had just taken out of a concealed pocket in his robes. Treachery plots mischief, the king has gone mad, he was yelling, still talking Mr. Pampamium in his excitement. Down the corridor went King Paperface, his crown falling off and revealing the scraggy hair of the mop. Round the corner and up the next corridor, into this door and out of that with the Congress still after him for all they were worth, which was a good deal as they were all quite rich. And all the time as he stumped along, the papery voice kept on, Four shirts, six collars, two pairs of pyjamas. For by this time, he had come to the end of the list and was starting all over again. Somebody catch him, cried the Prime Minister, 
who had now uncrossed his fingers again so that he could run more quickly. Round and round the corridors they went till the palace echoed to the shouts of Hold him! Trip him up! Hit him on the head with a poker! And above it all rang out the monotonous papery voice One pair of sheets, two vests, one pair of bed socks. The boots had long since come off King Paperface's dummy legs and the garden rake caught in one of the rugs, pulling it after him and jerking it from under the feet of the ministers and monarchs so that they fell in an elaborate and ornamental heap, kicking and struggling and getting all tangled up. Ten handkerchiefs, five towels, one tablecloth, said the dummy king, kicking the rug off his fake foot without looking back. The Congress sorted itself out and dashed on again. Whatever can all the noise and shouting be about? asked King Watertisit, sitting up in bed and looking at the Queen as if it were her fault. I fear there's trouble afoot. That Judd Waller may be attempting treachery. And in spite of the Queen's efforts to stop him, His Majesty got up, put on an old set of robes that happened to be exactly like those the dummy king was wearing, drew on a pair of riding boots and ran, very shakily, into the passage. And what with his hair being all over the place, as it is when you've just got out of bed, and his face being very white and paper-looking because he wasn't well, King what it is it looked very much like the dummy. In fact, he looked more like the dummy than the dummy himself. As he opened the door of his room, Paperface shot by, crying, Four shirts, six collars. Good gracious! exclaimed the king, who knew nothing about the make-believe king. The next minute, the whole congress of monarchs and ministers, with the Judd Waller at their head, came charging around the corner, and seeing the king, they let off a louder yell than ever. Hold him! Hold him! Hold him! came the shouts, and the Judd Waller brought his club down a whack on the king's head, just where his big measle bump had been. <laughs> cried the king and fell flat on the floor. Then, from behind them, came a familiar stumping sound. One pair of sheets, two vests, came the voice of King Paperface, as he came clattering up the corridor, smack into the arms of the monarchs. He had run right around the palace and caught up with the people who had been chasing him. Why, there's two of them! cried the Judwaller. By my elephant's eyebrows, there's mischief afoot, I vow! But the Prime Minister and the other ministers took no notice of him. They just flung themselves on King Paperface and burst the string that held him together. One pair of beds, uh, said the voice, and stopped short in the middle of a word. The next minute there was nothing left of the make-believe king but mops and umbrellas and rakes and things and some robes and a bit of painted laundry list while everyone crowded round, wondering whatever it was all about. Just then, the Queen put her head out of the King's room, and the monarchs and ministers had to pull themselves together and bow politely. Now, now, what's all this about? she said sharply, and they all hung their heads and looked very ashamed of themselves, while the King got up, and they all went to the council chamber to sort things out. Gentlemen, said the Judwaller of Pam when the Prime Minister had explained all about the dummy king and the real king's measles. This was done so that we should not be put to trouble by the Congress being put off. We all ask to flavour an apology, and I suggest we wait until the king is recovered, both from the measles and the unfortunate blow which I struck him, and continue the Congress later on. In the meantime, if Her Majesty permits, 
I am sure we should all love to stay here and look around as to Flavia. Oh, delighted, I'm sure, said the Queen, who was glad to see things turn out so well. And everyone cheered while King Watertizit of Astaflavia and the Judwaller of Istapampam shook hands, thereby sealing the friendship of two powerful states which had almost been on the verge of war. But nobody ever knew how the paper-faced king came to life. Except us. <laughs> <laughs>